Hi, chat. environmentalist typically looks like an older white guy with glasses and crazy hair um, out in the woods by himself looking at the wildlife. So someone who lives in the city can't be an environmentalist. Someone who um, grew up poor can't be an environmentalist. Someone who's a minority can't be an environmentalist. So there was not a lot of green space um, at all in Philadelphia where I grew up, um, but there was a side of my house. So there was, you know, my house was made of brick and on the side of my house there would be slugs. Um, and I would always go to the same spot every day to look at the slugs. And that's all the wildlife that I could identify and recognize, you know, in a three block radius, but I would go outside and check on the slugs every day and that was kind of like my one piece of nature that I could reliably go back to and monitor and you know watch changes and you know watch populations grow and shrink based on temperature based on time of day based on weather I had never been to the zoo in my life before I was 18 and so I did an internship in education at the zoo and I realized how ridiculously passionate I was and I didn't know that until I was taught So I went to, to college and I was a zoo and wildlife biology major at Malone University. 
I had never seen a blue jay until I took ornithology in college. Like, and that's a common bird. Um, and now they're my favorite bird here in North America. The, uh, the turkey vulture like Fester and the black vulture, which is a little bit smaller, has a characteristic black head. Um, but Fester is going to be doing some flight, so I'm going to ask that everyone in the audience stay nice and seated um, as he flies around. Um, these are very large birds. They can have wingspans up to around five and a half to six feet wide um, and very broad wings as well. That allows them to soar. Um, and so they'll be soaring high in the sky, smelling for their next meal. Um, and they have a really strong sense of smell. As Fester flies over you, you'll notice he has what appears to be a very large hole in his face. Um, so they are very well built for being the garbage birds of our local environment. So let's go ahead and give it up for Fester and vultures everywhere. Thank you so much, Fester. All right, Wilbur, where are you at? Just you? Hi, bud. Okay. All right. So this, everyone, is Wilbur. Go ahead, Wilbur. He's a Palawan dipteron. And I'm going to have you come down here to the other side of me. Oh, my God. These are, like I said, found in the rainforests of Asia. But when Wilbur is eating uh, fruits um, and veggies that have seeds in them, as he's eating, as you can see, he's a pretty messy eater. As you found out, food is dropping out of his mouth when he eats. It's amazing that we can worship God in different ways and see different things that God has created. So I challenge each and every one of you all, Get out to nature. Go out and see some different things. There's some awesome things in the world that you can see, not just in Tennessee, but just in the whole wide world. Amen. Hello. <laughs> hey, chat. Hi. Hello. Um, podcast. 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 Podcast day. Hooray. Giddy. Thank you for the sub. How do we get to one hundred and twenty-five dollars? What did I miss? Killer? Okay. Kill- the- 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 hold on. The, uh, the, the notification- the donations in the- my alert list wasn't going through for some reason. They just all came through. Killer with the four- or with the two months. Welsh nerd with the year. Thank you, Welsh. You're a bird now. Um, Solorion with $25. Botox with $100. Botox, you're insane. Thank you so much. And Giddy with the 13 months. Holy crap, Giddy. That's a long time. Okay. $125. Amazing. So we're talking to Karina Newsom today. Uh, she is one of my favorite science communicators on the internet that I follow on the internet. She is uh, insanely enthusiastic. You have a fan on? No. But... Protech, thank you for the year. Miss said that yesterday. Um, when we were on a Discord call, that there was, like, a... The window's not open. No. Nothing's different. You can hear cars. But... Nothing's different. The gain is high? I haven't... Changed anything. I mean, does, is this better? Darwin with three months. Thank you so much. Wes... With $50? Change stuff? I didn't change anything, Locke. Wes, thank you for the $50. Okay. Um, how did you find out about, about Karina? I actually am not sure. I, I mean, it was through Twitter, for sure. But I think that uh, she was pointed out to me. I know she was pointed out to me by Imogene, for sure. And um, by Ellie, as well. Uh, so they know her. 
she's she's got a pretty decent following on Twitter. Her socials are really good. You can do command guest if you want to see her socials. Um, and yeah, so we're going to be talking to her today. We're going to talk to her about her journey, her focus. Um, as she was a zookeeper, now she's a field biologist. She's studying seaside sparrows um, and and nest predation for seaside sparrows right now. So we'll talk to her a good, a bit, a good bit about that and her um, goal what she does primarily is she hopes to involve communities that are underrepresented. It's because the mic is too close to the window. Um, she hopes to involve communities that are underrepresented in wildlife sciences um, to connect them to the, the natural world. So we're going to talk to Karina about that today. I'm super, super excited. The donations today are already at 175, which is insane, are going to Skype a Scientist, which is an organization that... What is that clicking sound? What's going on today? Um, you can do Command Org to see more about them. They match scientists with families, classrooms, events, uh, groups of five or more, um, and help people to connect with scientists virtually, which is really, really cool. Um, and Karina is on the board of directors for Skype a Scientist, so that's who we're raising money for today. But we will have her tell you more about it um, right now. I just have to call her. Put the mic away from the window. We already tried this. Is it actually distracting? It's fine. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, good news is you'll never have to worry about it again after today. <laughs> so this is the last stream in California. Um, after this podcast, I gotta pack and stuff and give my dogs baths and, and whatever. So uh, that's after. Oh, also, sign up for today. Next week for the podcast, we're switching to a bot for questions. This week, if you have questions, you can go ahead and at ChuckManny20. Thank you, Chuck, for doing that today. Super, super helpful. Um, so there's, like always, there's a live question doc. Um, and I'll be looking at it and I'll read off questions if you guys have them. So at Chuck if you have questions. And yeah, Chuck, people salute. And then <laughs> um, next week there will be a bot for questions and, and hopefully we'll get that working okay. I'm not sure if there's gonna be a quiz today. Rogue, thank you for the $5. That is how you donate, thank you so much. Um, I'm not sure if there's gonna be a quiz today. I, I feel like there can be. Um, I just have to write the questions on my own and we'll see if I'm able to do that throughout the podcast or if it's just gonna be a longer wait for me to set it up. So, yeah. But, Let's let's assume let's let's eighty percent assume that there will be a quiz, okay? Um, but I'll let you know like towards the end of the podcast if uh, if that's what we're gonna do. Cool. All right. Cool. Um, I'm gonna call Karina. She's Austin. Thank you for the four months. Thanks. Um, She's a student at Georgia Southern. She's studying seaside sparrows and, and their predation. And she has a lot of cool stories. She has an insane amount of experience, an insane amount of awards. Um, 
she's a super, super inspiring person, and uh, I'm like... Hey, <laughs> uh... Sorry. I'm, like, I'm kind of a fangirl, so... I'm pretty nervous, but I'm also excited to talk to her. Stanners, thank you for the two months. Alright, let's call her. Hold on. Archimedes, thank you for the 12 months! Hey, no. Dude! You can't right now. Okay. I'll be back in a minute. Mav. Small killer, thank you for the three months. Hello? How's it going? Oh, isn't that on? Let's see. There we go. <laughs> okay, let's see if this is working. Chat, how's the, oh, how's the sound? Sounds great. Chat, she sound okay to you guys also? Why does this happen? Oh jeez. Okay, hold on one second. I've been having issues with this overlay for a little while. Okay. Um cool. Alright. Well actually this doesn't work either. <laughs> okay, now we're fine. Um hi, how are you? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. I was just telling my chat I'm so excited that you're on here because I've been I mentioned to you earlier that We've been trying to get her on the podcast. I look back in our Twitter DMs, and the first time I messaged you was in like September. <laughs> I know. So I know. it's been it's forever. So yeah, but I'm super, super excited that you're here. Um, yeah, me too. Is the cursor? What's wrong? Chat, is everything. Are we good? Is everything good on your end? You can hear everything. You can hear me. You can hear her. Okay, we're good. Um, we're at $180 in donations already for Skype a Scientist. Thank yeah. you all so much. That means the world. Like, we literally ride on everyone's donations, so this means a whole lot. Thank you. Yeah, of course. I'm super, super excited. So if you wouldn't mind, let's start out. If you want to just introduce yourself and then tell us a little bit about Skype a Scientist so they know where their donations are really going, because I gave a really short intro. Yes, yeah. So um, my name is Karina Newsom, as Maya said, and I'm currently a uh, graduate student at Georgia Southern University, and I study um, seaside sparrows, specifically looking at their nest predation. 
um, all for the kind of purpose of conservation for that species. Um, my major is biology. Um, I sit on the board of Skype the Scientist, which is a nonprofit organization that essentially works to get the general public connected with real scientists. Um, because right now, especially right now, actually, we're kind of in a state where a lot of the general public has been kind of like feeling distrust in science and mm -hmm. scientists. And science kind of feels like this black box a little bit, like that nobody knows what's going on. We were just supposed to trust these people. And the answer is, yeah, you're supposed to trust us. And so Skype the Scientist matches uh, classrooms for, for grade school age kids with scientists. They do Skype the Scientist live, which is open to the general public. Anyone can join in and ask questions of scientists. And we have all kinds of scientists. We don't just have wildlife biologists like myself. We also have people who work in computer science, the artificial intelligence, and geology, and all kinds of different science careers. And so it's just a way for scientists and science to be much more accessible to the general public. And it's building trust between the public and scientists, which right now is so important. Um, so your donations are going towards those efforts. And one of the really wonderful things about Skype the Scientist is that we're reaching classrooms that wouldn't necessarily be able to afford to pay a scientist to come and talk to their class. It's all free. No one has to pay. And yeah. so we're able to reach students and audiences that have kind of been blocked off because of their socioeconomic status from accessing these kinds of resources. So it's, it's, it's jumping over red tape and, and barriers that have existed for a long time. So they're an awesome, awesome organization. That's so cool. The guys, thank you so much for the $180 so far. Sell or run with another 25. Thank you so much. Um, you can do command org if you want to see Skype a scientist. They have Twitter, Instagram, and you can look at their website as well. Um, so, Let's talk about you a little bit. Um, we watched an intro video. So did you grow up in Philadelphia? Yes, born and raised in, uh, in Philadelphia. Okay, yes. and you've just always been interested in the natural world. Yeah, yeah, even though I wasn't really, had never really been to massive, you know, green spaces or natural spaces, I always like wanted all the books and all the National Geographic magazines that I could find to like look at nature as closely as I could. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool. I one of the reasons that you're one of my favorite people on like the the whole Twitter science community platform is I mean you hear it all the time is you're so enthusiastic. Like I <laughs> I love being outside and I love like I love birds especially and I know you do too. Um, but you make me more excited to go outside and like more <laughs> excited to learn about about nature and stuff. You recently I I've, I've liked your um your chickadee nest thing. Can you tell us about what you're doing or what you've been doing yeah. with that? It was so cute. Yeah, so it's actually funny. The project was uh, for actually for brown-headed nuthatches, which is a climate-endangered bird species that lives down here in the southeast U.S., where I am right now. Uh -huh. And so we had gotten this grant to, you know, put 20 nest boxes out for brown-headed nuthatches. Well, no nuthatches <laughs> nested in our boxes, but instead we had Carolina chickadees nest in our box. So it was kind of like a change of plans but it was awesome nonetheless. And so I had a video camera in the nest that was recording the entire nest development, all the way from egg laying, starting with egg laying, all the way through hatching, uh, nestling stage, and then fledging when the chicks leave the nest. And so we were able to kind of share what goes on in the secret lives of birds, specifically Carolina chickadees, with the general public. Because people usually don't get to watch what goes on inside of the nest because birds are very secretive, but most birds are very secretive. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to where they place their nests, and so you don't really get to see that. Um, and, but being able to watch these birds without being invasive or intrusive and see what it looks like for them to 
develop, and they develop fast. You know, they went from egg to full size, full like adult coloration in like a month, right? So that that process is so quick. Yeah. And so being able to kind of see it for yourself kind of gives you a, a, a bigger appreciation for how many birds you see outside, and you think to yourself like, wow. All of these birds survived all of those vulnerable stages to get to where they are today. So very, very cool project. That's awesome. XY with $20, Street with $20. Thank you guys so much. Um, If you have questions, I I said it in the intro, but you can at ChuckManny20 if you have a question and I'll I'll read them out as we go. so have you always been into birds? You have an experience, you have experience with a bunch of animals because you were zookeeping before. Yeah, yeah. Birds are actually pretty fairly new. So I, I, like I said, like I had like this general interest in wildlife and I was always just like wanting to absorb as much information as I could about them, but birds were not any sort of like standout group to me. And when it comes to native birds, like I definitely knew nothing about it, about native birds. And I really uh-huh. had no interest in native birds. Ooh, can, can you still see me? Yeah. Sorry. Okay, great. Um, and so I, once I went to college, I majored in zoo and wildlife biology. That's what my undergrad degree is in. And one of the classes required for, for that degree is ornithology, mm-hmm. study of birds. And I was actually dreading that class because it's a class based on like native birds and the labs are, you know, I was, I was going to school in Ohio. So the labs are in outdoor Ohio, like going out looking yeah. at birds. And I knew before I took the class that we were going to have to memorize like how to identify visually like 175 birds and learn how to identify them by ear, like a hundred of those birds. And I was like, I could, there's uh, no way. Yeah, like, that's super intimidating. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't even know any birds. So like, I was not looking forward to it. But the, for, literally the first day of class, I fell in love. Uh, because the, the teacher, and he was so passionate. And I think that's where I realized how infectious passion is. Mm-hmm. Like genuine passion. And so he was talking about, he was just introducing us to like some of the common birds in Ohio. And the first one he talked about was a blue jay, right? Yeah. Which I've heard of. But I had never seen a blue jay, which is crazy. That is and I think crazy. I saw yeah. that in the video. Because blue jay, you know, and then when I learned <laughs> what they were and what they sounded like, I'm like, they literally have been all around me in Ohio. And I yeah. did not know. So it just basically opened up. That's kind of where my joy and like desire to explore was birth. And of course, my love for birds. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. I'm going to say your name wrong. Kier. Kiers? Curse, K-H-Y-R-S-E, tipped $275 and said, love the cause. Thank you for your service. That's amazing. Thank you so much. You're kidding. No, we're at $520. (laughs) That's insanely fast. I feel like I'm going to cry. You would be our first guest to cry. (laughs) Chop with $10. Thank you so much. That's amazing. Because here's the thing. Really quick, because it's like when you're working, I'm literally tearing up. Oh, because, all right, this is not the most Guys, <laughs> it's so fast, we barely started. I'm so sorry. Oh, you guys, I'm so sorry. Because, see, if I talk anymore about this, I feel like I'm going to start weeping. Because basically, right, it's like, when you're a nonprofit, right, yeah. if you work a nonprofit, you kind of know how this goes, but it's like, everything you do, every staff you hire, every program you run, like, costs money, but you're relying on people to, like, believe in your vision, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the only reason why Skype Scientist is able to do what we're doing. And Sarah McAnulty, who's like the founder of Skype Scientist, she is a powerhouse woman. Yeah. And like I want everyone to know her. Like I, I'm so just like she's the she, she's she the does. squid squid biologist, right? Yeah. Okay. Squid yeah. biologist. Yeah. And so it's like being able to be a part of this mission and then see people like you guys like 
believing in it and like being willing to be so generous like even if this is your first time hearing about it it just it blows me away and I'm so grateful so anyways I did say that sorry thank you no that's <laughs> wonderful thank you guys so much so chomp with ten dollars and mac with a five and Arsic, thank you for the sub um okay so now I lost track of what we were saying we were talking about birds and how you like birds out um how did you get into or how did you choose seaside sparrows like how'd you get into the project that you're working on right now yeah, so I believe it or not, so I started applying to grad school while I was working as a keeper, and um, I had actually never heard of seaside sparrows because seaside sparrows are coastal birds. Um, they live on the coast of like North and South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, the subspecies that I'm studying, which is called the McGillivray seaside sparrow. So, and I had never lived or even really been to the coast before, so I had never heard of this bird. Um, but the professor who's my current advisor now, I knew that she was doing the kind of research I wanted to do, research is rooted in the conservation of birds. And so, you know, I basically asked, you know, like, hey, do you have funding uh, for a graduate student? Are you interested in having me? Even though I had never heard of the bird, the mission was the same, conserving bird species. And so I, I really chose that bird because that was the bird that my advisor was studying and mm -hmm. had a project for and money for. And like, I've loved every, every minute of it because you know, and one of the things I love about it actually is that they're a new bird to me. Like I've never seen, I'd never seen or heard of this bird before I started studying it in its natural habitat. And so everything was brand new. And it's just like every turn, every time I go out in the field and something new is happening, I'm, I'm experiencing something I've never seen before. So it's been awesome. For sure. A question that we like to ask um, people that have been studying in the field is what does a typical field day look like for you? So typically, um, my, so my schedule revolves around the tides, so um, I need to go between high tides. If I go out into the marsh, which is where these birds live, they live in coastal marshes. If I go out in the marsh at high tide, I could drown, uh, because, okay. not because the water level is like up here, but because it's super muddy. And so I regularly, like when I'm out there, I will sink up to like my chest sometimes. Jeez. When I'm walking, like just out of nowhere, right? Oh my God, that's so water, scary. If there's even like a foot of water, that could be it, right? So you don't yeah. want to go out at high tide. Don't go out of high tide. But basically I'll go out. I usually spend about four hours out there. And usually what I'm doing is I'm looking for nests. So um, I'm walking through the marsh grass, kind of in the areas where I know seaside sparrows tend to nest. And I'm looking through grass. And it's uh -huh. tough. And the way I usually describe it is like, you're looking for a certain set of hay in a haystack. It's like their yeah. nests are made of marsh grass and they're really well camouflaged. Um, so I'm walking around, I'm really relying on my ears because if I'm relying on my eyes, I'm going to miss those nests. Mm -hmm. But when you ever, whenever you get near a nest, the parents start like chipping really loudly and that's kind of your cue to let you know, okay, you are near a nest, start looking really intensely in this area. So a uh, typical field day looks like me going around doing that for about four hours. Um, but some days I'm uh, kind of managing video cameras and camera traps. So the other part of my project, so I'm looking for seaside sparrow nests, but I'm, what, I, what I'm really trying to know is, or understand, is what is the pattern of nest predation? Is nest predation occurring in certain places more than others in their breeding habitat? And to do that, I have a bunch of camera traps all over the marsh. Okay. Um, camera traps are cameras that take a picture whenever something moves in front of it. And so I'm going out there, I'm kind of doing equipment maintenance, I'm downloading the pictures that have been taken, changing out batteries, um, I'm putting video cameras on nests themselves very much in the same way that I did for the Carolina chickadees. And uh, the challenge with the marsh is that it's super, like I said, muddy, but it's also super hot because there's no like trees, it's just grass. So you're really exposed out there and it's very salty. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. the marsh is not very friendly for like human beings mm -hmm. you know tall bipedal animals but um it's still it's still a blast and there's so many creatures out there so even though it's physically taxing it's always a lot of fun yeah that's awesome um a bunch of donations. So Gim with fourteen twenty three, Spoon with twenty dollars. Thank you, Spoon. Names Fox did two separate five dollars, so ten dollars total. And Stanners with ten dollars. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you so much, you guys. <laughs> again, if you're if you're just getting here, um, the the donations today are going to Skype a scientist, so you can do command org for that. If you have questions, you can at Chuck Manny. Um, a few questions that we've had so far. A Tana with the ten dollars. Thank you so much. Um, Viz asked, what are your goals? That's a big question. <laughs> that is a really big question. Yeah. yeah. So I guess the overarching goal of mine is to create pathways for people who grew up like me, um, whether they are an ethnic minority in this country or if they are um, impoverished like I was growing up, you know, yeah. um, and therefore don't have like the same kind of access to be introduced to the variety of outdoor careers, wildlife, natural science careers. I want to be able to create opportunities for students who are in my situation to get those exposures and, and learn about the, the options that they have, because I didn't know about anything until I was, like I said, until I was 18, I was planning on being a veterinarian because I thought that's what people who like animals did. Me too. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know what I mean? And that's obviously, of course, not true. And I'm so grateful that someone reached out to me and made me aware of that. Otherwise, I would be a veterinarian or like a vet tech or something right yeah. now, you know, um, which is a great career, great career. But anyway, so my overarching goal, that's part one, is to basically introduce people who grew up like me to the field of natural sciences. Um, but the other part is to involve communities of color in particular um, in conservation efforts. So kind of merging uh, conservation with the general public, specifically focus, focusing on communities of color. Um, because conservation, while you do have like professional conservation biologists who that's their you know nine to five job, they're going out in the field, they collect data, they have degrees for this purpose. Um, conservation does require everyone's involvement, and yeah. it's really helpful when everyone's involved in some capacity, whether that's just being conscious of how you steward the resources where you are geographically, just like in your area. Mm -hmm. um, educating other people about uh, the, the ways in which they impact their environment, going out and exploring and appreciating your environment. And even for things like as, as like uh, important as citizen science, which is just pe everyday people who are not, you know, biologists by career, collecting data simply mm -hmm. by going out and exploring, sharing that with researchers, which happens a lot in the bird world. And they're contributing to conservation just by exploring, you know, and yeah, so totally. there are a variety of yeah, there's like a variety of ways to connect communities with conservation and with these careers. And I want to participate um, in that in that effort. Yeah, that's awesome. On our last podcast, it was uh, for Weedy Sea Dragons, and they have a program at uh, the University of Technology at Sydney for citizen science, where they have divers like recreational divers, if they find a sea dragon and send pictures, and it's a new one that they haven't studied then it gets named after them <laughs> no way yeah it's like cool That's we learned a bunch <laughs> yeah we learned a bunch about them last week um phone with twenty dollars tito with five and a tana with another five so we hit our 600 a little bit ago so we're at 630 dollars almost which is amazing thank you guys so much um, That's unbelievable. and we've had a bunch of questions come in um we have Wob asked, how has the COVID-19 pandemic affected her field work? That's a good question. So um, typically, so my I had one field season last year. I had two total last year and I have one. 
starting now this year. Um, last year, I lived in basically like communal housing that's provided by the Department of Natural Resources that a bunch of people who are doing wildlife research or wildlife management, they'll stay in these like large kind of communal housing areas so they can easily access their field. Um, well, now, like, I can't do that because you can't live in you know, large groups and have yeah. all this you know, exchange of, of germs and all this, right? So I have to do a really long commute, but my research itself has been able to continue, thankfully. Um, so the, thing, the only thing that's really happened is that I have to commute pretty far to my field site, but I'm still able to collect the data that I need. That's great. Good. SMK, thank you for the $20. Um, another, this is a fun question. Uh, Z, I'm sorry, I always say your name wrong. Z um, asked, what do you think is the coolest bird adaptation? Like out of all birds? <laughs> There's so many cool ones. That's tough. Okay, okay. One of, let's see, one of my favorites that always comes to my head when I think of cool bird adaptations. So if you're familiar with peregrine falcons, right? Oh, yeah. And this, this is actually a structure that a lot of birds have, but peregrine falcons have it. They have these, essentially these uh, tubercles in their nose that look like little projections in each nostril, right? And Maya, I know you, you know about this. And peregrine falcons are the fastest animal on the planet. They move the fastest. And when they dive, they can hit really fast speeds, like 250 miles an hour or more mm -hmm. have been clocked, you know, faster. So they move really fast. So what I like to, like, make people think about, like, if you've ever been driving in a car on the highway and you stuck your head out the window and, like, you get suffocated by the air because of how fast it's moving and you can't really breathe too well, like, mm -hmm. you know that sensation. That's essentially what would happen to a peregrine falcon, but, like, times much more than we've ever experienced right. if they did not have these structures in their nose that kind of break up the wind so that they can breathe and their lungs don't explode from being overpowered by by air um, as they're diving after their prey. So that's one of my favorite adaptation uh, embers. What was that called for tube? I think so. I think like they're called tubercles sometimes. Uh, there's like several spelling. names for that. It might be, I believe it's tubercles. Um, I'm trying to write quiz questions, chat. We have a little quiz at the end of the podcast, and okay, um, okay. people that watch it, or people that uh, participate in it, if they win, they win a gifted sub, or they can donate another $5. So I'm trying to write questions oh. while you're talking. Nice. <laughs> um, so let's see, a couple other, yeah, we had we also had Jason Ward on the podcast, um, and he we talked about Peregrine Falcons with Jason. It's like one of his, one of his biggest, or one of his favorite birds. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Speaking of favorite birds, Noxus asked, what's your favorite bird of prey if you have one? Also, do you have any good binocular recommendations? Okay, great. So my favorite mm, favorite bird of prey, I have to say uh, Harris Hawk. Okay. Nice. I love Harris Hawks. Like, they, I've gone, like, hawking um, with Harris Hawks several times. They're not my hawks, um, but I've gone out on them, and I've also trained Harris Hawks for like free flight shows uh -huh. outside, things like that. And they are very, they remind me, and I, not to compare across species, or things like that, but they're kind of like a dog in that they are very kind of quick to pick up on and trust people, like when you're training them. Like they, they I've gained the trust of Harris Hawks much more quickly than I've gained the trust of any bird. And mm -hmm. I could literally walk around, we'd walk, we would walk around the zoo with Harris Hawks, he would just follow us, you know what I mean? Yeah. Flying around, he just stay, stay with us. Um, and one of, the, the coolest behavioral adaptations that they have is that they hunt in packs. They hunt in groups of birds, which is not typical of, of, of birds of prey. They're pretty solitary when it comes to catching food. Um, but Harris hawks will 
I take groups of like, you know, five, six birds sometimes. And on top of that, they're matriarchal. So there's like a, a, an alpha female who's at the very top and she's kind of the one that leads the hunt um, and everyone else kind of following her direction, following her lead. And so they're a very cool bird socially and behaviorally and that's that makes them my favorite. Now when it comes to binoculars, I have a pair of Nikon Monarchs, which work really well for me. They are more on the expensive side. They're, well, depends on who you are, right? So they're expensive for me. They're like $300, but they work really well. They're waterproof. Like they, they're marsh-proof, which is exactly, which is why I have them because mm-hmm. I drop things in mud and water all the time. Um, but there are cheaper ones if you, if you are not at risk of like breaking your binoculars in mud or water. There are cheaper ones that work well too, um, like Bushnell. Like there's like $80 Bushnell binoculars that work really well. So Bushnell and Nikon are, are two really great brands. Cool. Um, good question, Knox. Thank you. Standards with another ten dollars says, Thank you. "Keep up the great work." Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. Let's see more bird question. Well, one of them, Michael, a while ago asked, "Do you just focus on birds?" Do I just focus on birds? Is that the question? Yeah. Yeah. So my research in grad school does just focus on birds, um, but my conservation interests, like once I graduate, you know, because when you're in grad school, like you have a you have like a single major project that you're doing, and it's a very specific question on a very specific group of living things. If you're a biologist, um, but once I graduate, like I am interested in the conservation of all species, but like my focus is more like native conservation, native wildlife conservation in North America, where I am and where my community is, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So my interests are very broad when it comes to groups of animals. Cool. Um, okay, let's see if I have a good segue question. There's so many. Guys, thank you for asking good questions. If you have questions, yeah, you can you. you can at Chuck. Chuck Manny 20 Bernie with $40.77. That got us to our $700 hey, yeah, yeah. goal, Bernie. Thank you so much. That's why it was 77 this cents. Unreal. This is unreal. It's crazy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um... I had no idea when I started streaming on Twitch that it was uh, that there was so much opportunity for fundraising and, and education through the platform, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. X Dom asked, "How do you identify birds by the sounds they make? Is there a total unique so, uh, amount you can identify?" It? So, yeah. How do you identify bird by sound? Okay. So the the, thing, the the trick to identifying bird by sound is to first is to like learn it out in the field because there you could try to like have a PowerPoint of like bird sounds and like pictures, but it's really hard to make that connection until you hear it out in the field and find the bird and it kind of like clicks. But the thing you're looking for is that birds all have bird species all have unique songs, right? Mm-hmm. So um, there are lots of tricks to kind of memorizing what bird makes what sound, but a lot of people will use different mnemonics, right? So for example, a white-eyed vireo, which is a small songbird about this big, migratory, they make a sound that I'm not going to try to mimic, but the mnemonic <laughs> that people use is quick, get the beer, tick, quick, get the beer, tick, and it sounds like that. And uh-huh. so it's like, because I have like words, like human English words associated with sound, it's like I can call that very quickly. Huh. Um, and it's tough when you're dealing with migratory birds and birds that only sing at one time of the year, you know, breeding season, they usually use their song for that. Um, but birds also make other a variety of other sounds. The trick, the tricky part, is when you get to mockingbirds. <laughs> yeah, mockingbirds oh, make for sure. everyone's sounds. And so like you'll hear, like today, yeah, today I heard a mockingbird make scarlet tanager, uh, uh, northern cardinal, robin, um, and like some other mystery sound, like all like in the same oh my like, gosh. Breath, basically. So you got to be very careful about being shot by the bird. 
I, was it you that posted a video of crows barking or ravens yes! barking? It was a raven. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, um, ravens are really good at that. They're so neat. Um, let's see. Okay. We have a couple questions about seaside sparrows. So Max asked, what is the main threat to seaside sparrows and what are their sources of competition? Good question. So the main threat to seaside sparrows right now... Um, Depending on the, the subspecies, some of it has been habitat loss, like from human human induced habitat destruction, right? So like the last seaside sparrow, I think dusky seaside sparrow, which was in Florida, was like wiped out because they built like a Disneyland or something like that. Um, but the the kind of larger looming threat that they're facing is actually sea level rise. And so the 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 unique situation that the species that I'm studying is facing is that they're facing sea level rise and sea level rise, you know, makes the sea level higher and higher incrementally because of like melting glaciers, things like that. Um, and the result is that the high tides, so again, because they live in a tidal environment, the high tides on average start getting higher and that can result in nest flooding. So seaside sparrows are, yeah. they, they can experience nest flooding even before sea, the sea level rise scenario that we're kind of anticipating right now. Um, and they are actually behaviorally adapted to respond to sea level rise, or excuse me, to flooding. So if a seaside sparrow has built a nest and they have eggs or chicks in that nest, if their offspring drown, unfortunately, they will build another nest right away, but they'll build it higher off the ground as to avoid flooding again, right? However, the problem is that the higher you build your nest in the grass, the higher you build it off the ground, the more visible you are to predators. Yeah. So sea level rise presents a situation that kind of puts seaside sparrows between a rock and a hard place when it comes to, okay, what do you do? They're kind of constrained in their ability to respond to sea level rise because if they nest higher, there's a point at which they will get eaten if they nest too high. So um, that's kind of what the, the, the threats they're facing kind of look like right now. Um, and the competition-wise, the one bird in their habitat that they share a habitat with that is like fiercely competitive is this tiny bird. It's like less than half the size of a seaside sparrow. It's called a marsh wren. These birds are ferocious. Do you hear me? Like, so they will, so they built these nests that are like really secure, like completely covered with like a little hole in it for enter, entry and exit. And they're fierce. Like they will literally fly over to a seaside sparrow nest. And I had this on camera. Fly over to a seaside sparrow nest, peck holes in all the eggs and fly off. Why? Like, they eliminate competition around Oh them. my gosh. They don't let anybody in their territory. They're fiercely territorial. And so that is probably the biggest competitor that seaside sparrows face as far as like other animals go in their natural habitat. That's horrible. Jeez. <laughs> it's like upsetting. It's like totally natural, obviously. And like, that's the adaptation they've evolved to have, but it's like, it's frustrating to see it happen. Yeah, no kidding. Are those, um, are those wrens native? Yeah, yes okay. they are. <laughs> you, say you, can't even, you can't even be like, that's, a, that's like an invasive species. Like I know, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so one question here is from Dom said, do you think we can bring back the dusky seaside sparrow? Thoughts on de-extinction? Uh, that's a good question. So bringing back species would require, um, so there's, there's, that field of like de-extinction is, is massive. So on the like more easy side, you have a situation where if you have that species in human care, like usually in a, in a zoological facility, that species still exists. And so you can still breed it and reintroduce it. However, if there are no living, you know, specimens, if there are no living remaining 
living individuals, you start getting into like kind of genetics of, of bee extinction and that uh, has not necessarily been successfully completed. It's been tried um, mm -hmm. and I think people are kind of in the process of doing that with the passenger pigeon actually. And it's kind of like introducing passenger pigeon DNA into like, you know, common pigeon DNA that is a very much extant, you know, alive species. Yeah, we, of, we had Ben Novak on the podcast. Oh, um, okay, okay, about, yeah, yeah. Passenger pigeons. <laughs> Yeah, so that you know, that's like a a possibility that's kind of being developed. No one has def definitely no one has tried that for the dusky seaside sparrow. But if the technology and the and the methods exist that prove to be successful, um, are successful, like that that could be a possibility for that subspecies. That's a cool question, Dom. Nice. Yeah. I I didn't know about that particular species. So cool stuff. Um, it's kind of a fun question. We'll do a couple more. Zig asked, what are some of the most unforgettable moments, good and bad, that have happened in the field? Ah! <laughs> Here's the thing. I never... I'm like, how did I say this? So, okay. All right. The worst thing that ever happened to me out there was... Here, I'll, I'll tell you this one. The other one is really not even, even appropriate. I'll tell you this one, because this one's horrific. Okay. So I was out there, right? And I was looking for this. I knew there was a nest nearby because I heard all this chipping. Like, like I told you that, like when you're near a nest, the parents start like making all these loud sounds. Okay, that's your cue that you're near a nest, right? So I heard this chipping, right? And I'm th like, thankfully, where I am in the marsh, there's not like a lot of insects. Surprisingly, like it's like the bugs, like, it's just too hot for the bugs. So, like mm -hmm. nobody bothers me out there. That's nice. This particular day, I'm trying to find this nest because I need data. Like I need nests, right? Mm -hmm. So if I hear, if I think there's a nest around, I want to keep looking until I find it. I'm out there running back and forth. There's a thunderstorm that I can physically see coming to me. And you're supposed to get out of the marsh. There's thunderstorm. Like, you'll, you can get hit by lightning. Yeah. I'm like, I gotta find this nest. So I'm running around. All of a sudden, all these, like, massive, I don't even know what species, like, they're, they're flies, but they're huge. And when they bite you, it feels like you're getting poked with, like, a needle, like, at a doctor. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, right? And I'm like, what on your body makes me feel like that? I don't even understand, right? They start swarming me. I start actually losing my mind. And I'm like, the seaside sparrows hired the flies to start getting me away from the nest and I can't find and I started like y'all I started cussing at the seaside <laughs> good thing seaside sparrows can't understand English right I started cussing them out I was like how dare you I'm not even trying to save y'all I had, I had gotten so delirious I was hot I was thirsty I was getting bitten up and I was just trying to find this nest <laughs> oh my god! it was gosh. a low point it was a low point that was the worst thing that ever happened to me in the marsh. Um, but the most unforgettable thing that ever happened to me was actually the first time I found a seaside sparrow nest. And every time I find one, it feels like a miracle. But I was like walking, you know, through the grass, heard the chipping, started looking, and I just like happened upon this nest with hatchlings in it. Like they still, they were brand new, Aww. like bald, eyes closed. You know what I mean? And I'm like, how is something so so vulnerable? alive in this environment because i'm barely alive it takes me like constantly taking fluids and constantly like checking my body for vital signs to just like exist in the marsh and these like fragile beings are out here thriving yeah. and i i was just like stunned to silence like i, I was like i knew that i you know i know i'm looking sides for us out here i'm not shocked you know it's not surprised that they're here but it's like when you see it it's just it feels like a miracle so that was the most memorable experience was the first nest that i found that's so cool. Um, yeah. 
That was a really good question. Thank you. <laughs> I love I love field stories. We've gotten some cool field stories on here. Um, Danny, thank you for the eighteen dollars and fifty two cents. Um, and Stanners with the ten dollars. Danny tipped a question. Um, said favorite silly bird fact. <laughs> I don't know. Silly bird fact. Hmm. I'm okay. Like, okay. <laughs> I don't have one off the top of my head either. <laughs> I kind of feel like there's, there's images, there's things that birds do that, that look funny, but it's like until you see it, it's like, okay, so this is a bird called a jacana, and they are birds that live in like wetlands and like where there are lots of lily pads, and they kind of have these extremely long, like. Yeah, oh, we watched tail. a video of these. Guys, these are the ones with the crazy feet. Wait. Yes! These yes, ones. Yes. Nice. Yeah. And so. They, when the chicks are young, I believe it's a jacana, they hold their chicks like the in the in their wings, yeah. kind of, but the legs are hanging out, right? So it looks like the bird has like 18 legs. Yeah, wait, I have a picture up here legs. of that. It looks so crazy. It's hilarious. Like to me, that just is the funniest thing I've ever seen in the bird world. Oh my gosh. So cool. Do you guys remember watching this video the other day? We watched it on stream. Um, oh Viewy just tipped fifty dollars. <laughs> Viewy, thank you so much. You're insane. Um, let's do. I think. Let's do like a couple more questions. There aren't very many more, so actually we may get through all of these. Um, yeah. Mordo asked, "Have you ever worked outside the U.S. and are there any particular species not native to the U.S. that you would like to see or work with?" Yeah. So I have actually never worked outside of the U.S. ever, um, which is like breaks my heart. But that just means there's more to explore, right? And I'm really mm -hmm. excited about it. The one species that I really want to see in the wild is the harpy eagle. Oh my gosh! Um, I, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> That's my favorite bird of prey. Kim, really? thank you for the twenty dollars. Yeah. yeah, I went to Belize um, recently, and I was like, the whole time I was there, I was like, if I see a harpy eagle, like I, I'm gonna drop dead. Like I can't because there's ah! some of them out there, but I didn't see one. <laughs> but that would be oh insane. And it's like, like I've, I've heard that they're really hard to find because they're so, they like exist so high in the canopy and it's mm -hmm. like, they, you know what I mean? Hard to detect, but like that would be one bird. They're like, if you have their massive, massive eagles, like have really like beautiful and strange kind of feather patterns and coloration and feather structures. And like they they hunt really large animals like monkeys and sloths and um, they're, they're in their talent. Yeah. They take monsters. monkeys, you guys. Here, wait, I'll pull up the picture. Um, Knight tipped $5 to get us over our $800 goal, so we're at $804. Thank you, Knight, and thank you, Gim, for the 20 to get us there as well. Thank you. Guys, these are, um, these are the harpy eagles. Look at this thing. It's a monster. Oh, they're huge. And when they look at you, the, like, at a certain angle, it kind of looks like... The Face. A bit it does look like a person at <laughs> them. There's one at the San Diego Zoo, and I sat there for like two hours just staring at it. They're so cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. imagine seeing one of these in the wild, you guys. It's nuts. They're so cool. Um, okay, so two more questions here. Guy asked, how much do seaside sparrows weigh? Good question. So seaside sparrow weighs approximately like mm, i want to say around give me a second like 60 70 grams okay approximately like I, I don't know i like don't remember the exact number off my head i'm kind of like estimating based on like what i felt when i hold them about 70 grams i would guess nice that's actually bigger than i thought um, yeah they're like pretty they're like 
fairly large sparrows. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then the last question. Oh, okay. There are two more questions. I'm sorry. I okay. lied. Um, <laughs> no problem. One question. Street asked, how much anti-science stuff do the Skype scientists scientists have to deal with, like anti-vaxxers and flat earthers and stuff like that? Is that something that you guys struggle with? Um, so, so far, when it comes to like, so, you know, when you have like a, a group or maybe even a live stream session and you have a scientist on, there hasn't been like hostility. Like, I think people have asked questions about those topics, but no one has been like hostile in any way or um, pushy in any way. There's never, I've never witnessed or I'm not, and I'm not aware of any time when there's been some sort of like argument over the validity of science. Got the scientists, thankfully, um, and I think that speaks to how well the scientists communicate. I think that it, can, it, it, it could it could be easy to get inflamed in those conversations if the scientist speaking was not good at communication or like yeah. not good at reading people. But we have not had that experience. Okay, as far as I know, so good. That's good to hear. All right. Yeah. Um, and then last question is a good one from Zignav said, "If you could bring back any species, which one would you choose?" That's a really hard question. I would have to say the giant ground sloth. Now, they would have nowhere to live because their ecosystem doesn't exist anymore. And that's really, that's more selfish. And I kind of actually feel bad about saying that. I should have picked <laughs> like when extinct because humans wiped them out or something. But I'm just like really curious about These what exactly are crazy. <laughs> like, I've they, never they would, seen like, these. They like poop, you know, like they would like eat as far as I understand, like eat avocados and like poop out the seeds and like they would kind of be seed dispersers for avocados. Uh-huh. Um, and like, they're just like strange, large, strange creatures. And I just really want to see one. They're so, huge. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How cool is that? That's kind of what I just, or I, maybe actually the better answer would be, I would go back. That might be the better thing to say. What was that? <laughs> you cut out, you would go back and what? Oh, sorry. I would, I would like maybe go back in time to see the giant ground. Song. Okay. <laughs> That's a very responsible answer. Um, yeah, no, that's a good question. Uh, next week we we're talking about dinosaurs. Um, maybe I'll ask him about 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 these. That should be pretty cool. Nice. Yes. Um, yeah, I've never seen these before. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, guys, thank you for all of those questions. That was brilliant. Um, we're at eight hundred and four dollars in donations. I am. Thank you for the thirteen months. Um, Leak next week's so guest. Much. I thought I already told you guys what next week's guest was. Did I just leak that? I didn't mean to. Okay, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, so eight hundred and four dollars in donations. Um, you can That's do command. Nice. You can do command org if you want to see where those donations are going or where they did go actually, because their PayPal's hooked up, so it's it's already with them. Um, but Skype a scientist. Um, thank you so much for for this conversation. This was so great. Um, this was so much fun. Yeah, yeah, good stories and good questions from chat. Where we have, um, what is it, fourteen hundred people hanging out right now? Thank you so much. Jug with ninety six dollars to get us to the nine hundred dollar goal. Insane. Ah! <laughs> Jug, thank you so much. Thank you. That's oh my amazing. God. I can. I literally cannot wait to like run back to the Skype of scientists like chat and be like yes what these amazing people did yeah that's amazing guys thank you thank you thank you jug thank you for the twitch prime also um 
Yeah, so so thank you. Thank you for talking to us. Um, guys, thank you for listening. Again, I say it pretty much every podcast, even if you aren't able to donate, which is totally fine. Um, you watching and learning means a lot as well. Chomp with $100? What? Chomp just tipped $100? So we're at $1,000.53. Chomp, thank you so much. Oh my what? gosh. That's insane. Maya. <laughs> oh, you guys are nuts. AJ with the $5 said, some of the most amazing content on Twitch. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I don't know how much you know about Twitch. It's it's traditionally a, uh, a, a streaming platform for video games and stuff like that. There's, there's like, very little conservation <laughs> going on oh, okay. on Twitch, but... Um, I always say at the end of the podcast that it's like an untapped reservoir for doing good, um, that that it's good for, for conservation education. So um. you, man, apparently I never heard of Twitch before you told me about it, but now, man. Yeah, she was <laughs> in the D- in DMs because I had her download Discord. She was like, "I feel like a boomer," and I was like, "You have no idea." They've seen. I've had some guests that have been really, really challenging with with technology. Pete, thank you for the five dollars. Thank you. Um, thank you. All right. Is there anything else that you want to talk about before we close up here? Because we're we're reaching our closing time for. Okay. Well, I just want to encourage you all. Um, to, I, I've been I've been thinking about this idea of accountability, like become accountable to the space where you live, and that really just looks like you learning about it, getting to know it, and therefore being more aware of how you impact it. Um, and I think that like when people just take the time to explore and to um, become you know intimate with the space around them and know what's going on, we will have a much better quality of life because nature gives life to us. You know what I mean? Just exploring makes us happy and it's fulfilling but it also allows us to be more conscious of how we use our earth. So that's my encouragement to you and start looking at birds. You will not be disappointed. Absolutely. I love that. (laughs) We all have a great appreciation for birds here. We talk about birds a lot. Um, So that's awesome. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm glad that we finally made it happen. It's been a long time coming. (laughs) So thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you guys all for watching. I appreciate it. I'll be in touch uh, with you soon and I'll be in touch with Skype Scientists soon as well. We finished at $1,010.53. So thank you guys. Thank you guys. (laughs) Thank you. Amazing. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. (laughs) Alrighty. Bye. Bye. This is what I was saying before. Remember how this past week I was like, I know it's not a species specific podcast, but I just really want to have her on. Do you guys know now now why I wanted to have her on so bad? Her enthusiasm, like it's so infectious. She just like makes me happy. She's wonderful, dude. Absolutely wonderful. Um, Just the best energy. So... Thank you guys for the donations today. I'm not gonna lie. I was also, I, this cause is brilliant. Um, Providing access to education like this is a brilliant idea and it's so important um, and so cool to to connect people like this. But I honestly was a little bit worried about fundraising for this cause because it's not species specific. Um, I find that it's usually easier to rally behind like something, but I'm so glad that you guys understood the importance of it and that you guys contributed to it so much. 
Um, AJ, thank you for the two months people pod. Um, it means a lot that you guys... <laughs> thank you, Chuck. Um, it means a lot that you guys contributed uh, to to this donation goal. Um, and I'm... I'm really happy. I love talking to people like that, dude. It, it makes me feel so good about about the field, you know, like as as a whole. She's so enthusiastic. She just cares so much. It's awesome. Gamer, thank you for the three months. I appreciate that. Is this on the test? Okay. Um, when you read out the answers, read them in random order. Thank you, Chuck, for the reminder, because I've messed it up every podcast this far. Um, I need one more. Hang on. Okay, I wrote five questions. Chuck helped me with a couple question ideas. But I wrote the questions during the podcast. Gamer with the five tier ones, thank you. Um, so we have questions, I just need to put them into the, to the quiz, okay? Everybody hearts and chat for Chuck for uh, stepping in to help me out today because we don't have the bot set up yet, but we're going to have it set up next week. Um, Chuck, I really, really appreciate your help here. It makes it a lot easier for me. Um, it would have stressed me out thoroughly to, to have to keep up with, uh, ads for myself in the chat. Nanya Business with $5 said, I really love this podcast and I learned so much. I have so much more respect for you and the people in Conservation Field People Pog. Thank you so much. Um, that's so nice. Thank you. So Chuck, thank you. Will, thank you for the beautiful start screen as always um thank you to my team for being awesome and let's get into making the quiz and let's see if i can do it in the time that it takes for this music to happen hang on let me give myself a little bit more of a chance let me let me open the quiz first a game of drones thank you for the two months all right hold on hold on hold on Da 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 da. Alright, are you ready? Here we go. I'll be back by the end of this song this time. Hold.
with so much time. With so much time left. With so much time. Are you guys ready? Hi, we're back. Early. Um, the 112. <laughs> Insane. Insane. Amazing. Okay, here we go. Um, the quiz. To participate in the quiz, you have to grant access on your PC or on mobile. Um, you have to select... I always say this wrong, or I always feel like I say it wrong. You have to click, is it allow, allow access? Is that what, is that what the wording is for it? You have to click manage access, allow access, um, so that I can see your name, because if you don't do that, then I will see like contestant number, blah, 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 and then you can't win the quiz. So don't do that. Um, click manage access so I know your name. Or grant access so I know your name. Ready? Here we go. 20 seconds per question, five questions. If you win, you get a gifted sub to my channel. If you're already gifted a sub to my channel, then you can either get a gifted sub to whoever channel, whoever's channel you want, or I will donate an additional $5 to Skype the Scientist. Here we go. First question. Is it working? Is it set? It says sending to players. Yes, it's working. Start game. Okay, where did Karina grow up? Did she grow up in Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, or Atlanta? 20 that says that was longer than 20 seconds easy okay it looks like some of you thought that that was easy some of these questions are easier some of them are harder um three two one the correct answer is philadelphia the quiz is graded or you get points based on how fast it's 30 seconds, because it starts at 30, okay, it's a 30 second, you have 30 seconds to answer the quiz, that's too long, but whatever. Um, you get points based on how correct you are and how fast you answer the question. So, 194 people got Philadelphia correct, but who got it correct the fastest? The congratulations. Next question. What is Karina's favorite bird of prey? Is it the ferruginous hawk? Is it the peregrine falcon? Is it the red-tailed hawk or the Harris hawk? Pepe Meltdown, I forgot. Oh no. LX is going for last place, that's huge. Congratulations. The correct answer is Harris Hawks, the wolves of the sky. Called the wolves of the sky because they hunt in packs, which is super unique for birds of prey. They're really cool. 
114 people. Ooh, a lot of people. More people thought it was Peregrine Falcon. We did talk about Peregrine Falcons. When we talked about Peregrine Falcons, though, we were talking about their adaptation. Um, not because it was her favorite bird of prey, but that was kind of a hard question. Um, Low Luck got that correct, and so far, Low Luck is in the lead with 59,670 points. Amazing. Next question. That's not a- that wasn't rigging the quiz. <laughs> Connor, thank you for the tier one. What is a major threat that seaside sparrows face? Is it plastic entanglement? Is it invasive predatory species? Is it mean dogs that want to eat them? Or is it sea level rise that cause- that causes nest flooding? LX got it right, which is bad news because he's going for last place. Three, two, one. The correct answer is sea level rise that causes nest flooding. And as sea level rises, they have to have their nests further up in the grass, which means that it's more visible to more predators, which is really, really sad. The correct answer is sea level rise. 183 people got it correct, but who got it correct the fastest? Chat, who was it? Me smile. It was actually Dan! Dan said me smile and it was actually Dan. Congratulations, Dan. You're correct. That's the first, that's the first real me smile I think I've ever seen. Low Luck is still in the lead though with 89k. Holy, wow, Low Luck. You're doing, you're like actually way ahead. And then ProTech. Insane. Okay, two more questions. How much do seaside sparrows weigh? Do they weigh 40 to 50 grams? Do they weigh 60 to 70 grams? Do they weigh 100 grams or 20 to 30? I see lots of easy claps. And then Danny. <laughs> it's, it's a sea of easy claps and Danny somewhere in between there. <laughs> PP overheating. <laughs> Six, five, four, <laughs> three, two, one. The correct answer is 60 to 70 grams is, is how much a seaside sparrow weighs approximately. Um, who got that one correct? A lot of people. Me smile. Well done. And the person who got it correct the fastest this round was contestant number 258. Please, please, please enable, um manage access so that I know what your name is. <laughs> you, you gotta, you gotta enable access so that I know who you are. Protech is now in the lead. He surpassed low, whoa, Protech, huge. Last question. This is it, boys. Who's gonna, who's gonna win it? The last question is, what is the Seaside Sparrow's primary competitor? Is it a blue jay? Is it a Carolina chickadee? Is it the marsh wren? Or is it the giant ground sloth? <laughs> Tales of Valor thinks it's giant ground sloth. Mizkiff thinks it's sloth. That comes to no surprise to me. Uh, both because that makes no sense and because they're, they've been extinct a really long time. Um... The correct answer is the Marsh Wren. 
It's the chickadee. <laughs> it's the chickadee. <laughs> because isn't that like a vine or something? Like the Pikachu one? It's Pikachu. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? The Marsh Red is the correct answer. Um, who won that round? Actually, who won the entire thing? The f Bernie Forever came out of nowhere and killed the competition with 143,000 points, almost 144,000 points. But this last round, contestant number 1259 won. So congratulations for getting it the most right, the fastest. But it doesn't matter because <laughs> Bernie Forever won. Bernie. You already subbed. Do you, would you like another sub? Or would you like for me to donate an additional $5? Nim sub, please. Oh, okay. I'm going to gift Bernie a sub to Nim. I saw Nim talking to um, Hachubby today. It was, it was very nice. Gift a sub. It's my 10-month sub-anniversary for Nim, actually. Interesting. Is it just burning forever? Are there no, um... Are there no... Hyphens or whatever? Or any symbols? Just burning forever. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Alright! Gifting! To Bernie. For Nim! Complete purchase. Congratulations, Bernie! You've won a Nim sub! How come no one ever asked for a Lamont sub? Well done, Bernie. Amazing. So fast. Um, very cool, very cool, very cool. Thank you guys for participating in the quiz. That was good. It actually wasn't so bad writing them up while, uh, while I was doing it. Um, that was good stuff. That was a good stream. I know I'm going to do the bounty. Um, that was a good podcast. I liked it. Oh, thank you, Connor. <gasps> Connor! Wait. Look what I got. I'm not gonna lie, it came in a big box with a bunch of packaging peanuts and it kind of looked like a bomb, but it's not a bomb. It's telemetry. It took a really long time to get here because I put in the wrong zip code. But it's here! <laughs> Look! I don't know how to use any of it yet, but I'm gonna figure it out. <laughs> Look! Telemetry! I just have to figure out how to mount it. On the lawn. The app is amazing, you'll have fun. I'm so excited. I'm gonna put it on Miz. And just have him, like, walk around the block. To test it. I didn't tell him that yet, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited about it. I don't know what any of this does, dude. I actually don't know what any of this does. I need to do some reading. We played hide-and-seek with it before? That's actually sick. That's actually sick. That's a good IRL. 
We, we actually strap it to Miz or somebody and have him just go off in the woods and we have to track him and find him somewhere. That's a pretty decent stream idea, like, unironically. Cool, well, my telemetry is here. You gave me a stream idea, we're gonna do that? Yeah, go for it, dude. It wasn't, I didn't give you the idea, you gave me the idea. Um, all right. Speaking of good stream ideas, um, this is not something that, that I usually do, but it's something that I'm doing today. Um, <laughs> because I'm moving and, uh, I don't want it to expire. So we'll call it, and I just got two more bounties out of nowhere. Okay. Um, we'll call it a, we'll call it a, an, an unofficial podcast sponsor. Um, but <laughs> today we're going to watch a really quick trailer. It's going to be painless. I'm not going to play a game. Um, we're just going to watch a trailer. Okay. It'll be super quick, super painless. The, guys, I appreciate you being here. Please continue to hang out. I, it's not the Jonas Brothers. Um, here it is. Hold on. It's the upload season one trailer. Here it is. Boys. Settling in okay? Yeah. Are you both, uh... Dead? Yeah. Wait. Yep. Oh. <laughs> I thought this was an ad. Because <laughs> it's the ad. Sorry. Settling in okay? Yeah. Are you both, uh... Dead? Yeah. Yep. Welcome to Lakeview. A digital afterlife environment. Enjoy. The ads know us better than we know ourselves. Ten signs you're invading someone's personal space. Sorry, bro. Uh, oh, so someone needs that. Bad place yesterday. It's only weird if you make it weird. All right. Good stuff. Settling in okay? Yeah. I actually thought that, that was that. Um. Upload takes place in the near future where people who are near death can be uploaded into a digital afterlife of their choice. That's actually a sick concept. Um, Upload is a new sci-fi comedy series from Greg Daniels, the guy who brought you Parks and Rec and The Office. Oh, that means it's actually going to be good. Fun fact, Greg Daniels developed the series concept 30 plus years ago during his days as a staff writer on SNL. All 10 episodes of Upload are available to stream on Prime Video now. That's actually huge. He came up with it 30 plus years ago and it's just coming into fruition. That's sick. Um, go watch the show. It'll be good. He made Parks and Rec, Parks and, Rec and The Office, so it's actually going to be good. Thank you for participating in The Bounty. The Bounty is now over. Um, the podcast is almost over. XAXA with $5 said, oh, 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 that scared me. Um, XAXA with another $5 and said, cutie jelly with 20 gifted subs. Jelly, thank you for the 20 gifted subs. Guys, the, the sub count is so good lately. Thank you so much. Um, sorry, XAXA with $5 said, it's thank you, what? No, 
it's not. He made a new account? Okay. Um, XAXA with $5 said, Hi, Maya. I found this interesting video about traditional eagle hunters in Mongolia, and it would mean so much if you would react to it, because I'm from Mongolia. Here's the link. Um, depending on how long it is. Oh, this is... We, I think we've watched this video on stream before. It's the GoPro one of uh, eagle hunters in the new world. I think this is one that we'll add to our, uh, we'll add this to our watch later playlist because we have a bunch of nature documentaries and stuff like that to watch on stream. So come back, um, and I, I'll watch it, um, because we have, like, a whole list. So, thank you guys. Thank you for the subs today, a lot of subs today. Thank you for the insane amount, uh, amount of donations, um... Thank you again to Chuck for helping me with the questions today. You guys want me to host E-Rob? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll host E-Rob. Um, sure. Or I'll raid E-Rob. Uh, fantastic guest. Our guests are always great, but her uh, Karina's energy is, is so so infectious and so wonderful. Um, so it was really, really nice to talk to her. Uh, Twitch is, as always, an untapped reservoir for doing good. Skype a scientist is going to be so, so happy um, about that donation. So thank you guys for contributing to that. Um, and thank you for watching. This is the last stream in California, you guys. I'm moving tomorrow, which is insane. Um, Mentos with 20! Mentos with 20 gifted subs, hello? What the heck? Mentos, thank you for the 20 gifted subs. You guys are insane today. Thank you so much. Um, when is the next stream? So, I think that the next stream will be Wednesday because it's taking us- it's gonna take several days to drive there and Monday I'll still be driving. So I don't think that I can stream on Monday. I'll let you know if I can maybe do an IRL. Um, but if I can't, then I'll see you guys on Wednesday. It's a 27-hour drive, but I'm pulling truck and trailer, so it'll be longer than that. Um, I'm doing it over, like, three days or something. So, yeah, because I got to go, like, 60 miles an hour. <laughs> so it's, it's going to be a long drive. So I'm not sure if I can stream Monday. If I can, I'll let you know. Um... Yeah, look forward to the YouTube video for sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna record it. I asked my sister yesterday if she would be a camera woman for me. I don't know how to say her name, dude. Kears. Kears. Kerala. Well, that was fifteen. I thought it was five. Oh, I'm dumb. Thank you for the fifteen gifted subs, dude. What on earth? Thank you so much. Holy crap. And thank you for the tier one. That's amazing. If I can do an IRL on Monday, I'll let you guys know via Discord and um, Twitter. If I can't, I'll probably still let you know via Discord or Twitter. <laughs> so um, be aware of that. But I am, my sister's gonna be my camera woman and I'm gonna film for YouTube of, of the road trip, of the moving. So wish me luck. I'm moving to Texas tomorrow which is insane thank you guys for watching the podcast i love the podcast uh 
I'm glad that we're ending it on this note because this is big full circle moment. Like the most important thing that I've done on my channel. Um, and it all obviously started in California and whatever. And um, I'm glad that it's wrapping up here. It feels good. So we're gearing up the raid here. Ruined. Um, hey. Okay. Are you ready to move to Texas? Come here. Bye, guys. Cutie with 20 gifted subs. What the heck? I'll see you guys on Wednesday. Probably. Maybe Monday. Bye. I love you guys. Thank you.